Good morning, men. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Thanks for tuning in. I'm glad you're here. We come to you again this week uh, live remotely as we continue our physical distancing because of the coronavirus. Phil will be joining us shortly from the training room at Ceasefire. And uh, like I said a couple of weeks in a row, I can't wait for all of us to be back in that room. And until that day, we're going to continue in the series uh, in the wilderness. He'll be teaching on that again in just a few minutes when he joins us with Jeff Cook and Jeff Stout. Guys, I'm just tickled that you're here. Uh, I really am glad. Uh, I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. I know I enjoyed watching the World War II movies and reliving some of that. Uh, one of the things that came out of it that I thought was really interesting to me, especially during this time, was a uh, speech of Wilson's when he asked, what do we have to fear other than fear itself? Fear. Being in the wilderness creates a lot of fear and anxiety. And we've talked about that, how you've handled it, what you're going through, what we're facing. Fear. I know at times I'm certainly concerned, afraid. Uh, I would say that fearful and anxiety are two things that I've tried to keep in check. I uh, hope that you're reaching out to brothers if you find yourself fearful and filled with anxiety. Someone that's maybe more mature in that area that can walk along with you, help you through this rough time. Those that have lost family members, those that have been sick, lost jobs, gone without paychecks. It's tough. It's tough. Guys, I, um, I want to take just a second and say a special prayer this morning. Before I do that, I'd like to reach out to Tim Atkinson and his wife, Denise, up in the Memphis area. Tim starts his um, cancer treatments again today, this morning, uh, for pancreatic cancer that is now spread to the liver area. He had a biopsy done a few weeks ago, and he starts chemo um, this morning. I know he needs prayers from us. Denise does as well. Uh, a group of about 25 of us went up two years ago in May and uh, had a night out on his patio, anointed him with oil, prayed over him, and I know it had an impact on his life. And I know at this time, Tim is afraid, fearful, anxious, but at the same time, I've heard Tim, and I know Tim knows who his Savior is, who God is, who his Lord is. And I know he walks in that knowledge today as he goes into the hospital to start chemo treatments again. Denise posted yesterday a picture of a rainbow that she saw on her way home when she felt like she was alone and she knew God was with her. I hope you see God in his beauty and he comforts you. Let me open this with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the grace that you give us, for the strength that you give us, for the knowledge and the understanding that you've revealed to us. Lord, I pray that you would be with Denise and Tim this morning as he begins his treatments. I pray you would be with the medical staff. Allow them to use the skills and knowledge that they have to help Tim conquer this cancer. Allow him to heal, Lord, if it's your will. I know Tim has accepted whatever your will is, he will be fine with. Selfishly, Lord, I pray that you would make him whole. I miss my brother. I wish he was with us this morning. Thank you for Phil, for Jeff, Jeff, and for Chris putting together our papers every week. Lord, we raise Tim and Denise and the medical staff this morning. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you uh, virtually. 
Um, I love being here in the training room and closing my eyes and seeing you uh, sitting here. And I agree with Joe uh, that I look forward to the day uh, that I don't have to close my eyes to see you, uh, but that we can be together uh, again. Man, there'll be some hugging going on that day. So uh, don't let us in this room until there's hugging going on. Uh, look forward to that. Uh, I want to offer you a song this morning um, by Third Day. Um, and um, I'm loving the playlist that we've put together. I, I, hope, uh, I hope you're using it. I hope you're utilizing it. If not that playlist, a playlist, uh, because music... Uh, is the language of our heart. It awakens our heart, uh, and that's why we use it here um, every Thursday morning when we begin. Um, and even though this song is by Third Day, uh, Third Day will not be singing the version that we'll be listening to, but this is their song, and because of YouTube restrictions, uh, Jeff's come up with another way for us to listen to it, but the, but the version that will be on the playlist on Spotify, which is uh, entitled into the wilderness will be by third day. Let me read to you the words uh, of the song, your words. Let me hear your words above all other voices, above all the distractions in this world. Let me hear your words above all the voices, above all the distractions in this world. For your words bring life and your voice speaks promises Lord, your love offers more than anything else in this world. Amen and amen. May you hear the voice of God and may it prepare your heart uh, for our time together this morning. Oh, 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 oh,
life is never ending your words bring us love that never fails everything else will fade away but what will remain no your words give us life is never ending your words bring us love that never fails everything else will fade away but what your words. Amen. Amen. And um, I trust again that you will go to our Spotify um, playlist uh, and hear the same uh, song sung by uh, Third Day. Uh, powerful words. Your words by Third Day. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. The words from 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We continue uh, in our series, Into the Wilderness, uh, as we are into the wilderness. Worldwide pandemic, uh, never thought, never imagined that we would ever be here. Uh, but we are. And um, we are listening for the voice of God um, Every day. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. Into the wilderness, understanding and embracing the dark times of our life. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. Wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it? Or maybe better said, ears to hear it. In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis. And since he wants to seek us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first. When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let us continue to journey together. This morning... Um, we want to look at um, the idea of I receive. I receive. Last week, uh, we covered Exodus 19. And in Exodus 19, uh, God establishes the covenant with Moses, the Mosaic covenant. He had previously established the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, and now the Mosaic Covenant, he'll follow it up a few years later with the Davidic uh, Covenant. And then, of course, Christ fulfills the covenant. In the covenant, um, I suggested to you last week that there's three responses. Um, it's like a wedding. There's three responses to the covenant. When God pledges... Um, his commitment to us through a covenant, he expects us, he wants us to respond with I do because he is pledging to be with us and he's asking that we would pledge um, our affection to him. When I have the opportunity to do a wedding, I follow the uh, covenantal path as I perform the ceremony. And early on in the wedding, we get that uh, response uh, from the bride and groom, I do. I do pledge my affection to you in the same way that God asked the children of Israel to pledge their loyalty to him. And then the second part of the covenant, and this is what we're looking at uh, today, is I receive because the second part of the covenant is God giving the Ten Commandments. 
And in uh, Exodus 20 that we're going to read here in, uh, in just a minute, God lays out the, the Ten Commandments. And the response that he wants from the children of Israel is, I receive. And when I do a wedding, after the couple has said, I do, then I give a charge to the husband and I give a charge um, to the wife or to the uh, bride and or to the groom and to the bride. And I hope and I expect that they will receive those instructions as a guide to how uh, to be a better uh, marriage partner, to be a better spouse. And they respond after the charge, I receive. And that's what we're looking at today. And finally, just uh, to reiterate what we talked about last week, the third part of the covenant is the execution um, of all the instruction. And God expects that everything from the sacrifices to just the daily obedience of uh, walking with God, the response would be, I will, I will, I will execute that which you ask God. So the covenant is I do, I receive, I will. So turn over to Exodus 20 and let's look in greater depth at I receive. Um, and before we actually read the passage, I have three questions for you. So pick up your pen and engage with me. Um, I receive. The first question that I would ask you, what is difficult for you about receiving instructions? Are you a good instruction receiver? Or are you one of those guys who takes the TV or the uh, uh, play uh, toy out of the box, throws the directions away, and just dives in? Instructions... Who needs instructions? Hand me a screwdriver and a pair of pliers and some duct tape. We'll get this done. But the idea of receiving instructions um, is an act of humility. I don't know. I need instruction. It is the honoring of boundaries. It, ever been with somebody who could not receive instruction and therefore did not honor your boundaries um, they didn't ask you what you would like they didn't ask you what love meant to you uh, they just started running in the direction that they wanted to run in and they expected you to follow being with a person who can't receive instruction uh, is very difficult um, and typically, a person who has um, uh, a, a, a difficulty with receiving instruction is pretty self-absorbed. Um, in my book, um, Lions Were Born to Roar, we call that the bull. Um, you know, he does not need input from anybody, does not receive input uh, from anybody. And he runs in his own path. And the only problem he has is you're not following close enough. So receiving instruction is part uh, of being human, uh, being a godly man, and God expects us to be able to receive that instruction. Second question that I'd ask you to respond to. What frees you to give your best self? What frees you to give your best self, to be the best husband, to be the best employer or employee on the athletic field when you were in high school and college or whatever, even your golf game today? What frees you to play your best game? Um, I think we would all agree on some level that you need to be relaxed. You need to kind of sense that there's some acceptance there. If you uh, have this uh, unconscious voice, if, if not conscious voice, uh, talking to you in your head, you're doing it wrong. You should do this. 
you ought to do that, then it's going to inhibit and prohibit your performance. Um, it's like knowing that we really are accepted is what frees us. And that's one of the things that we're going to cover um, this morning is even though God gives the instructions, uh, the rules of engagement, um, I call it, he does it out of grace and acceptance. Third question, who do you know that is in the wilderness now? Um, it's that guy uh, that you saw in the mirror this morning. Exactly who it is. Um, we're all in the wilderness in, in some form. And um, I truly pray for all of us, especially those of us who attend Men's Roundtable, um, that we can genuinely say, uh, as hard as this has been, and it, and it has been hard for everybody in some way, um, that I am more in tune with God, I'm walking with God, and I understand the gospel clearer. I'm certainly doing all that I know how to do in the best way that I know how to do it to try to make it clear, and I'm certainly trying to get clearer in my own heart on that. Uh, because truly, as the song says, uh, it is your words, God, um, that are most important, and they will last for eternity. May we hear the voice of God every day through this wilderness experience. So, back to our passage, Exodus 20. Exodus 20 um, is the giving of the Ten Commandments. And I would, I would just offer you that it's, it's really important to understand that in, in this covenantal um, um, process that God is giving, it is so important to understand that he is giving it out of grace. Um, I mean, imagine this, that God was a God who brought the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt, led them through the Red Sea, miraculously showed his power to them, um, and put them in the wilderness and didn't give them any way to understand what he wanted. He just kept saying, love me, love me, love me. Um, there would be a sense, a very real sense, that that would be harsh. It would be like when I first started playing basketball um, and got my first uniform in the first, fourth grade, part of learning to play basketball was learning the rules. And I, I remember one of the hardest things that I had to learn was not to walk with a basketball because when I first got the basketball, I loved to take two steps and then dribble. <laughs> I just wanted to get a head start. And I learned pretty quickly that, no, if you're going to take a step, you have to dribble the basketball, learning the rules. And, and God, out of his mercy and grace, gives the children of Israel in Exodus 20 the rule book so that they would know. I want you to know how to play the game. That, that's a form of grace as opposed to kind of folding his arms and say, okay, you guys go out there and figure it out, but every time that you make a mistake, I'm going to blow the whistle and take the ball away from you. Man, that would be harsh. Um, I remember when I was playing basketball in elementary school and fourth grade and fifth grade and sixth grade and you know, I just wanted to play, and I wasn't very good, and I wasn't very good. And, you know, by the time I got into the seventh grade, I was getting kind of good. And um, I was always intrigued um, in those early years um, about uh, the referees pulling the captains uh, of the two teams that were playing that night to the center of the court before the game started. 
And man, I was so interested. You know, I wonder what they're saying. And, and they would be talking to the players and the referees would, would have instruction or at least they were talking. I didn't know what they were talking about. Uh, but it I was, made me very curious. And um, when I got in the seventh grade, guess what? I was named captain of the basketball team. And, and I, I truly remember that first game and so excited about, you know, the referees uh, one referee comes down to one end of the court, and the other referee goes to the other end, and they, and they find out who the captains are, and they bring the captains to the center of the court. And when they brought the captains to the center of the court, they started giving us instruction. Now, he didn't reach in his back pocket and pull out the rules of basketball. <laughs> that, that would have taken too long. But I found out in that meeting that what the referees did is they gave us fresh instruction on the nuances and the specific rules of the game that might apply to that particular gymnasium. You know, like, like the boundary was really short on one of the court and, you know, watch that center block wall. It'll knock you out and, and you know, make sure that you tell your coach to, to, uh, uh, to um, be in control and not be yelling because we will throw him out of the game. I remember one referee telling me that. And I'm thinking, dude, I'm not, you go over there and tell him, I'm not going back over to there the bench. Um, but there was this huddle and the referees were helping better all right sorry for the technical difficulty we had just a little bit of a pause um, but let's read the passage exodus 20 and this is um, uh, god giving um, of the ten commandments uh, to moses the second part of the covenant he's basically saying uh, out of my grace i want you to receive this because i want you to know the rules of engagement God spoke all these words. I am God, your God, you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the life of slavery. No other gods, only me. No carved gods of any size, shape, or form of anything, whatever. Whether of things that fly or walk or swim, don't bow down to them and don't serve them because I am God, your God, and I'm a most jealous God, punishing the children for any sins. Their parents pass on to them to the third and, yes, even to the fourth generation of those who hate me. But I'm unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and keep my commandments who play by the rules of the game. No using the name of God, your God, in curses or silly banter. Don't uh, God won't put up with the irreverent use of his name. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Work six days and do everything you need to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to God, your God. Don't do any work. Not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your servant, nor your maid, nor your animals, not even the foreign guest visiting in your town. For in six days God made heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. He rested on the Sabbath day. Therefore, God blessed the Sabbath day. He set it apart as a holy day. Honor your father and mother so that you'll live a long time in the land that God, your God, is giving you. No murder, no adultery, no stealing, no lies about your neighbor, no lusting after your neighbor's house or wife or servant or maid or ox or donkey. Don't set your heart on anything that is your neighbor's. And that is the rules of engagement. That is the way the game is to be played. And it continues. And this is an amazing picture. All the people experiencing the thunder and lightning, the trumpet blast and the smoking mountain were afraid. They pulled back and stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we'll die. They knew something was going on around that mountain. And it was an amazing sight. It was like a Steven Spielberg representation. Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid. God has come to test you and instill a deep and reverent awe within you so that you won't sin 
an awe, a respect for the game. I mean, it is like in athletics and sports, basketball, football. We, we, we respect the game, especially golf. I, I love the reverence of golf. I mean, even if a player walks up to a, uh, to a ball and he hits a leaf or a twig and it moves the ball, he is to report that. And if he doesn't, he's charged a stroke. I mean, there is a way to go about the game and nobody likes cheaters in golf. The people kept their distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. And God said to Moses, give this message to the people of Israel You've experienced firsthand how I spoke with you from heaven. Don't make gods of silver and gods of gold and then set them alongside me. Make me an earthen altar. Sacrifice your whole burnt offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep and your cattle on it. Every place where I cause my name to be honored in your worship, I'll be there myself and bless you. And then I love this part right here. He says, if you use stones to make my altar, don't use dress stones, in other words, cut stones. If you use a, a, a chisel on the stones, you'll profane the altar. Don't use steps to climb to my altar because that will expose your nakedness. You know, I grew up in East Tennessee and there's rocks everywhere. And there's a lot of uh, stone walls, uh, rock walls, certainly in Europe and the Cotswolds have been there as well. And that is true. And what they do is they stack those stones up and oftentimes the stones just fit. Nobody's chiseled them. They, they just keep looking for the right rock, and it just fits. And that's kind of what God's saying, you know, use the rocks that fit. Don't chisel them. Don't profane them. God was giving the children of Israel out of his grace a way to understand. Now, I want to um, uh, jump over to Galatians chapter 3, and I forgot to include this um, in the notes, but this is such a, a, a powerful passage that parallels um, the Exodus passage of, of the giving of the Ten Commandments and, and amplifies on this. Galatians chapter 3 helps us to understand what God was trying to accomplish by the giving of the Ten Commandments. Now listen to this. This is Galatians 3. And if I'd let Jeff know this, he could flash it up on the screen, but I forgot to do that, so I apologize. Uh, Galatians chapter 3. Now listen to this, verses 9 through 13. So those now who live by faith are blessed along with Abraham who lived by faith. This is no new doctrine. And that means that anyone who tries to live by his own effort, independent of God, is doomed to failure. Scripture backs this up. Utterly cursed is every person who fails to carry out every detail written in the book of the law. So, so God gave the children of Israel 613 laws. Now, there's the Ten Commandments, and then there's 603 additional laws. And what Scripture's saying is that nobody has ever kept all 613. Now, listen to this with that in mind. The obvious impossibility of carrying out such a moral program should make it plain that no one can sustain a relationship with God that way. The person who lives in right relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. What God arranges for him. So much more critical what God does than what we do. During things, doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. Quote, the person who believes God is set right by God. And that's the real life. Rule keeping, rule keeping, 10 commandment keeping, 613 law keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping, a fact observed in scripture. The one who does these things, rule keeping, continues to live by them and will be cursed by them and will be frustrated by them and will most likely quit by them or become so rigid by them that you are hard and um, unpleasant to be with. Um, the rules of the game 
are to bring order to life. And it's out of grace that God gives it. But it's like if you, even playing basketball, to use that analogy again, if you are more concerned about keeping the rules than you are playing the game in a relaxed way, then you'll never be a good basketball player. You want to know the rules intuitively and then be free to play within those boundaries and to be freed up as you know them. So so God has given us the Ten Commandments by His grace. It's a work of grace. He gives it to us so that he can, um, as, as I have on the outline there, that it convicts us of our sin that, you know, again, we hear the whistle on the basketball floor in our head. It convicts us. Whoop, stepped out of bounds. Uh, I ran with the ball. Um, and then it drives us to Jesus. It drives us to be better because we have a standard. We know I want to play within those rules. And then it makes us realize when we don't um, live the holy life. Not to be full of guilt, but again, to have a standard. He just didn't leave the children of Israel out there wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out what pleasing God looked like. He gave them the guidance, just like in learning the game of basketball, we are given the rules of the game. And it's out of his love. The Ten Commandments are given not simply as a suggestion, but as a rule of life in God's land under God's authority. This is what made them who they were. I mean, we could even say that this whole covenant is a light. Is a light. I mean, all of us have had the experience of being in a dark place. Um, and, um, you know, somebody lights a match, somebody turns a flashlight on, um, somehow there's light. And when there's light, um, we know the path and the 10 commandments are intended to be a light. They're a guide. They expose sin. They're a rule of life. They're a map. Um, I recently had a conversation, um, with a uh, um, gentleman who um, is uh, considering getting remarried. Um, You know, he's given marriage a couple of shots (laughs) and uh, he's considering marriage again. And um, he's met a a wonderful woman and uh, yet, you know, he was explaining to me that there's some issues that he's concerned about. And he was thinking, you know, maybe what I ought to do is just go ahead um, and get married. And I, and I said, well, you know, you know what, they, what research has shown is that wedding cake does not solve problems. They've, the research has shown that wedding cake will actually create more problems. And... Uh, he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, this is what I would do. As I said, before you would get married again, what I would do is I would write out the rules of engagement. I would write out a whole list of um, things that are important to you. And I would invite your bride to do the same, that she would write out what are important areas to her. Um ways that she would feel loved if this these things were being done and if certain things were not being done she would not feel loved and unless you have that on paper promise me and I and I and I looked at him really close and I said please promise me that if you don't have those rules of engagement on paper that you will not get married And when you write those out, basically ask her, can you receive this? And then invite her to give you her rules of engagement. And she would say to you in in whatever form she chooses, can you receive this? And it is a way to be clear on what love looks like. 
That's exactly what God was doing through the Ten Commandments. He was giving a standard of love, a guide for love, a map of love. And if you do these things, then you will show me that you love me. But guess what? He set us up for failure. (laughs) Because nobody, nobody, as the Galatians passage reads, can carry out 613 laws perfectly. And he was setting us up for Jesus. I mean, the Ten Commandments were just a preview of coming attractions. It was like the trailer on a really good movie. It's like, wow, you know, I see that trailer. I want to see the movie. And Jesus is the movie, and the Ten Commandments is just the trailer. Um, I want to show you a clip. Um, again, out of this Band of Brothers, Easy Company, uh, Major Dick Winters. And um, Major Dick Winters um, is, in, is in this interview along with some of his other uh, officers. And uh, this is, you know, this is the real deal. This is not out of uh, the um, uh, movie Band of Brothers, but this is just an interview. And it's just a small portion of it, uh, about three minutes. And I want you to hear what these guys are saying. I mean, they were facing life and death issue. I mean, when you got bullets flying over your head, it's real. This is not training. And, and I want you to, to notice what they each say, and especially what Major Dick Winter says right at the end of the three minutes. Watch this. I've seen death. I've seen my friends, my men being killed. And uh, this is... It doesn't take too many days of that, and you change dramatically. We was hungry, we had no food, we didn't have much ammunition, it was cold, we didn't have any clothes. You couldn't build a fire. If you build a fire, some crazy thing would shoot at you. Everywhere you would look, you would see dead people, you know, a dead soldier there, here, ours, theirs. Then civilians besides, dead uh, animals. So death was all over. You don't have a chance when your friends go down, you know, to, to really take care of them as you might. And especially if you're in an attack, uh, moving or whatever. And uh, uh, I withstood it well, but I had a lot of trouble in later life uh, because uh, those events would come back, and and you never forget them. <laughs> we had lost some uh, very good men there. Toy and Garnier had lost their legs there. Garnier, uh, uh, Gordon was badly hit. Uh, a number of other people were killed. It was uh, a difficult situation there. I don't know the exact amount of men that got killed in that, uh, but uh, six, seven of them were real close friends of mine. Skip Muck died, and Eugene Rowe came to me about 10 minutes after he was killed, and he wanted me to see if I wanted to go look at him, and I said, no, I wouldn't be able to stand that, so I, I didn't go look at him. After Bastogne, we went to Hagenau. There was another push there. We wanted, to, we wanted to get some idea what was across the river there and what kind of strength they had. You have a feeling you're going to live through the war. You have a feeling it's starting to ease off. Uh, you can't account for it. Uh, it's just a gut feeling, but everybody had that feeling. I believe I might be able to live through it. So walk carefully. Take care of yourself. Mm. Walk carefully. Take care of yourself. Such powerful words. You might be able to make it. You might survive the war. Walk carefully. Be careful. Be on the alert. Be strong in your faith. Act like a man. 
be strong, be on the alert, be on the alert, be on the alert. That's what God was doing through the Ten Commandments. He gave the Ten Commandments to us, the rules of engagement, so that we could be on the alert and be aware of the standard of holiness that he required, uh, that we wouldn't be clueless on how the game is played, and that in this love relationship, this covenantal relationship, that we would have a way to know what was pleasing to him. And yet, we would never be able to do it perfectly. And that's where the gospel comes in. Um, That Jesus fulfills it. And as we put our trust in him, we are declared holy, complete and fully accepted law keepers, righteous because of what he did. That's the gospel. Not what you do, but what God does. Because his standard is so much higher than anything that we could ever achieve achieve on our own. Now, again, just just quickly, and I, I would I would invite you to to again print out these notes if you haven't already done it. And in 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 these notes, again, it goes through the Ten Commandments. Um, in, in just an, a quick uh, synopsis of what is forbidden in each law, and what is required. So, you know, for example, the first four Ten Commandments are given in order to anchor our uh, lives into an intimate relationship with God. It is about intimacy, about connecting to him. And it, and it asks us to respect his unique position, or respect his spiritual nature, uh, nature, respect his holy name, respect a special day. And so that we, are, uh, uh, we have a way to connect intimately and closely with him. Commandments then, 5 through 10, just give specific direction. Respecting um, your neighbor's authority, human authorities, um, honoring your father and mother, not disrespecting them. You know, research has shown that issues with authority is a typical addictive person's um, position. All addicts have authority issues. And oftentimes that authority issue starts with mom or dad. Commandment number six, respect for your neighbor's life forbids taking innocent life. Respect for human life, no murder. Adultery, number seven, sex outside of marriage is forbidden. And physical intimacy within marriage Um, is what we're asked to um, honor. Um, Eight, nine, and ten, again, giving a specific direction on how to live. I would would just finish uh, with this. Again, it is so wonderful to know how life works. And what God is telling us in the giving of the Ten Commandments Uh, through Moses and the children of Israel is that, you know, if you will walk by these uh, laws and commandments, then there is a way um, that life works. And it's like those Ten Commandments are a grace that we are given, not so much to condemn us, uh, but to lead us uh, to the one who frees us. The Ten Commandments point to a holiness that only Jesus can um, achieve in what he did. And when we realize that we have no hope other than Jesus, then we are engaged in truly understanding the Ten Commandments and most importantly, how God intended that his holiness would be honored by his son and his son only. Will you receive that? Have you received that? Second part of the covenant, 
I receive. I receive. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you uh, so much for our time this morning. Uh, pray you continue uh, to give us clarity on what it means to walk with you and that our lives would be different um, as we do. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week. See you next week. Okay. Cool. They cut the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi here has something in it where it's a screen, like cut part or something. So, so we really need to get a hot jack. Hot jack, or with this room being used for whatever, uh, we can go to a smaller room. Do it, do it in the conference room or something. It's a smaller room. Yeah. Because we, you know. We can set up in five C or five A or something like that. Maybe have all these That way we'll have a network judge that we know is all. They cut off all the network access here. For, for <laughs> yeah, anything that's considered an open public space, yeah. they've cut it off. Yeah. I, um, I will be in Fairhope next week. And uh, right now, what I've what I'm, what I'm, uh,